You're listening to Leah and Alana watch The X-Files. Leah's seen it. Alana hasn't. I'm Leah. I'm Alana. This is our second to last episode of season one. That's crazy. I feel like I say that every episode. We're like, it's episode two, and this is crazy. I mean, we literally did say that. We did. And it was. And it is still crazy here in episode 23. Um, Excitement has not gone down. Actually, when I was taking notes for this, I initially wrote episode episode 22. uh, And then... I saw the next episode said episode 24 and I was like, Oh, we're further along than I thought we were. <laughs> we are almost done. Yeah. Oh, with again, season one to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And again, I'll say that this episode is like generally a standalone episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not so used to seasons of television, the second to last episode being something that doesn't build to like a big cliffhanger. Yeah, this episode doesn't matter at all in terms of the season, the show, the finale. Like this is literally, we could have skipped it. <laughs> like, <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. Like there are seasons where they have finales that have a little bit more of a build-up, but it's, uh, you know, not common, and I wouldn't expect it or get used to it when it does happen. Okay. I am interested in in kind of tracking how the storytelling changes from season to season, especially in the later seasons after they, like, stopped filming and then came back years later. I am mm. interested in seeing if that... Because I think that you mentioned they're like shorter seasons. And if, if the storytelling from episode to episode is different than it is in this first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'll find out in five years. <laughs> That's just a guess. Just a number I'll throw out. Okay, so this is episode 23. And we expressed some concerns last week over the description of this episode um, because it deals with a suspect who is, as the description says, a mentally challenged man. Do you feel, how do you feel about how they uh, portrayed this or what about this storyline or the fact that they even had this storyline? Yeah, it's a good question. I guess I didn't find this episode to be overtly offensive in that there's like, there's not that much that I can specifically point to, to be like this specific thing I didn't like, but the general kind of idea of having a disabled person played by a not disabled actor, uh, feels strange it feels outdated I mean I'm sure we're still doing it now uh but like watching it it kind of like feels hokey and strange and watching these actors do affectations to their voices feels kind of strange yeah I think that I felt similarly I did look up 
this actor because I was like, let me see what this guy's really all about. And I don't know if you Googled him, but he is in Madam Secretary. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. He's like a regular character in Madam Secretary with um, David Coveney's ex-wife. So I thought that that was a fun fact to share with you uh, today. That is fun. I did Google him because I recognized him, not from Madam Secretary, which I haven't watched. But when I read the description for this episode, I was like, I bet this actor is going to be like a recognizable character actor. And he was, and I knew I'd seen him before. So I Googled him and saw that he's been in like, I, I feel like he's been in like every TV show that there is. His credits are very long. I think I specifically knew him from Damages, but then he's also been in movies like he was in um, uh, what's the movie? Three Billboards that came out mm. a couple years mm -hmm. ago. Uh, Seven Psychopaths. He was in The Americans. He's been in a, a lot of stuff. So I was not surprised to see yeah. someone like that in this type of role. Sure. Yeah, that, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Well, I did not note well, uh, when I looked at his credits that he was in Madam Secretary. I can't believe I just uh, glossed over that. I can't either because I, I didn't... The, the first reason that I noticed or had the thought that he was is because on his IMDb, the like background photo on one of the main pages is like Tealeone's face. And <laughs> I was like... And, like, I was, like, I think that's the cover from Adam Secretary, but I haven't seen it. I don't really know. But I feel like that's the most, like, recognizable image of her that I would know. And so I was, like, was he in it, like, a lot to the point that this would be, like, part of his page? And, yeah, I mean, I think he was in, like, I swear it said, like, 100 some episodes and I don't know how many episodes of that show they made but I would assume maybe he was in all of them wow I definitely wouldn't have guessed there would be a hundred episodes of I could be wrong <laughs> maybe, it was maybe there that, are but... and maybe he's in all of them yeah he's he's a lead I wonder who he liked working with better Tia Leone mm. or David Duchovny I'm willing to bet it was Tia Leone well, he did work with her longer, apparently. He did. He did. I mean, I don't know if we've talked about this on this show, and maybe it's something that should really be brought up later, but, like, I think a lot of people didn't like working with David Duchovny on The X-Files, but I don't necessarily know that that was true at the beginning, but I think the longer it went on, he, like, kind of became an asshole. No way. Uh-huh. Uh yeah. That is, I guess, that's kind of surprising to me I don't know I'm I'm just the only time I, I've seen him not acting is when he's done like interviews on Conan uh which mm -hmm. we've talked about before and he seems like a kind of strange but like affable funny guy so I guess I'm kind of surprised that people would find him such a dick but I don't know. I, I guess there is the potential for him to take himself very seriously. Yeah, I think it was that. I think, well, from what I remember, I, like, tried not to read too much into it because I was like, no! But ultimately, it really didn't ruin Mulder for me. Um, I think he maybe 
I think there's a potential he got a little full of himself, you know, as famous as he was at the time. And then I know that they worked like incredibly long hours on the show and were like filming until 4 a.m. And so I think maybe just the whole set was kind of grumpy. Um, and maybe that contributed to his behavior. Uh, but yeah, um, these are the rumors that I have heard. And now you know. Very interesting. Well, I'll be keeping an eye on this as we go through this show. Mm. When mm. I can, when I feel like I can search these things without coming across spoilers, yeah. I will do so. Sure. We'll, we'll tap back in and, and I'll, I'll bring up some other points and we'll really dive into who these people were behind the scenes. <laughs> I think I've asked this before, but does the X-Files have like blooper reels or gag reels like in their they seasons? Do. All right, they well, do. I'm, I'm so excited. Well, I guess I don't know if season one has them and if you're about to tell me whether it does or not. But if it <laughs> does, I'm so excited to watch it after this next episode. Yeah, if I remember correctly, it does. But it's, like, not great quality because it's, like, you know, camera quality was really shitty when they weren't, when they didn't, like, edit it and, like, prepare it for... Uh, you know, to be seen. And I think what they used to do, which maybe a lot of shows did then, or maybe a lot of shows do now, I don't know, but it was like, they'd cut this together, like, to watch at their rap party. So some of it is, like, they try and cut certain things to, like, make different jokes, and, like, there are, like, people talking, which are, like, crew members that, like, you don't know. Um, but there are bloopers, and I'm, I'm pretty sure there's you know, people have somehow come across and tracked down them for every season. But I think they get better as they go, partially just because the quality is, like, easier to see and understand. Okay. okay. And well, the dynamic I feel like, grows, I guess. Sure. I feel like I can tell a lot uh, about a person from a gag reel, so I will use that to assess mm. whether people liked working with David Duchovny or not. There you go. Yeah. I mean, I think it was mostly like season seven, eight, nine, the later, like the last few. 10, 11. Well, 10, 11 were like 20 years later. So maybe he pulled his shit together by then. Well, yeah, he, uh, yeah, we've already talked about this at length, but he was in rehab somewhere in between there. Maybe that changed his perspective on things. I don't know. We'll have to wait until I watch the gag reels and uh, assess everything. It's the only way to tell. (laughs) We're just never going to discuss this episode. We're like, (laughs) we were kind of uncomfortable with the fact that they were portraying, um, you know, a mentally challenged person played by someone who was not. And so we uh, reject (laughs) this episode. I guess I'll, to get us started actually talking about the episode, just give kind of like a brief overview of what happens. There is um, a disabled man who is working as a janitor in some kind of laboratory for jet propulsion, I think. And 
scientists there start dying and Mulder and Scully come in and all evidence seems to point to this janitor doing that. Uh, the janitor's name is Roland. That's also the title of the episode. And then we go from there figuring out if Roland is doing this and why. That's, I think, a great description. Thank you. Um, I have a note from the beginning of this episode when the um, first guy gets kind of sucked into the jet <laughs> in the lab, I guess. Because I watch most television shows with subtitles. And sometimes <laughs> they subtitle sound effects. Uh, or like, you know, things that, because if you can't hear, you need to know that the sound happened, right? So at the beginning, he gets like sucked in and we're like outside the window, right? And the subtitle said, squishing thud. And I thought that that was... Squishing thud. Squishing thud. I was like, that is what it was, but that is disgusting to read. <laughs> That's amazing. I loved that scene. So this guy gets locked into this room with a, I don't know, what would you, I guess it's like a, a jet propeller, but it kind of like looks like a fan at the time yeah. that we're seeing this. And he gets locked in there and the fan or the propeller gets turned on and he gets sucked into it. And I loved so much when they cut like outside of the room and you're just mm -hmm. seeing in the window of the room and he just flies from one end of the window to the other and then of course the squishing thud sound happens yeah i thought that was so funny <laughs> you're like this show is a comedy <laughs> <laughs> it really is it really is sometimes to me i i really thought that scene was very funny. Well, I'm really glad that you got a good laugh out of the murder of this man. <laughs> Pretty violent. Like, they never discuss the fact that, like, someone had to clean that jet fan out. Like... <laughs> That's true. And at one point when Mulder and Scully are there, like, somebody says something like, oh, like, we examined, like, what was left of this guy. And I was kind of like, yeah. how is there anything left of him? Yeah, wasn't it just shredded chunks? I I would assume so. Yeah. Ooh. In the very first scene, there is this scientist who is very mean to Roland. And I was kind of like, why is this guy such a dick? But then it became like a broader theme in this whole episode that like all of the scientists yeah. None of them were likable. No, not even a little bit. And I was, like, kind of pissed for scientists. But, I mean, they were also just, like, middle-aged white men. So I don't really know why I was pissed. But I was just like, come on, they shouldn't be so mean. <laughs> they work at, like, an aeronautics lab. Like, these are supposed to be the cool guys. <laughs> no one has ever said that sentence <laughs> before. No, probably not. <laughs> But, you know, that just tells you a little bit about me. Do you understand why Mulder wanted to take this case? Because at the very beginning of this episode, Scully asks him why, and she asks if it's because he thinks the jet propellers have something to do with, like, alien technology or unidentified uh, flying object 
technology. And he says something like, I forget what he says, but he says something like something's going on here, but it's not I unidentifiable. And it yeah. wasn't clear to me why he wanted to take on this case. Uh, no, I felt similarly. Yeah, he says something like, you know, it's not unexplained, but it's unidentifiable, you know, like something like that. But it didn't really make sense, and I think I just kind of assumed that, like, Mulder had a hunch and kind of went with it, or, you know, like, a feeling that, like, just something weird happened here. But it wasn't clear why he wanted to... And his answer was not answering the question at all. Um, but I guess that's kind of what you can expect from Mulder. A lot of the time um, when you, you ask him to explain his nonsense, he just like says something nonsensical again. And you're like, okay, fuck, I guess we'll just go with it then. <laughs> um, but I'd like to mention in this like same conversation they're, you know, walking down the hall and we have, like, a nice little moment of small talk where I guess Scully went to a wedding and Mulder, like, is asking her how it was. And then he's like, did you catch the bouquet? And she says, maybe. And I'm like, you guys are so cheeky with each other. <laughs> it was very flirty. Yeah. Because I, I mean, I guess, like, when somebody I know goes to a wedding and I guess specifically when, like, women I know go to a wedding... That's not typically a question that I ask or that I think to ask. No. I usually don't think about it. It's usually not, to me, the main event of a wedding. <laughs> um, but in Mulder's mind, he's like, if she caught it, we'll get married, I assume. Yeah, exactly. Um, and she's like, I'm not going to give you that satisfaction right now, but maybe. Do you think she actually caught it? No, I don't. I I don't take Scully to be very sporty. Uh, okay. Not that it takes sport to catch a bouquet, but it just seems like she wouldn't have. And also, I guess, I feel like she, I can't even picture her taking part in that activity. Like, yeah. she'd be standing yeah. off to the side, like, with a glass of white wine and not, you know trying to catch a bouquet in this strange tradition at a wedding. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing in that I think that sh there's a high possibility she didn't even, like, go up when they called women to go up and she yeah. just stayed at her table and kind of rolled her eyes. But I guess I'm also unsure how competitive Scully is. I mean, clearly she's a mm. high achiever, so does she just feel the need to win things to win them? I don't know if I know that yet. Um, that's a very good question. I, I don't know that I perceive her as super competitive. Um, I think that she can be, but in things that like matter to her. And if it's not something that like she cares about or like has stake in, then like it, you know. She probably thinks it's silly. Because, I mean, this bitch loves to roll her eyes. <laughs> she rolls her eyes constantly. Or, like, you know, scoffs at things. And I guess I would act similarly if I worked with Mulder. But, um... I wouldn't. I would be 
just wrapped in attention all the time. Yeah, but like you'd get so annoyed with him. <laughs> He's ridiculous. Nothing he does makes any sense. And as we've said, even his whole like chase of aliens, like you don't even really know what his goal is. Like, yeah, that's true. I think realistically, I wouldn't always trust him, but I would always find whatever he was doing to be amusing. Mm-hmm. Sure. So after Roland, well, after the guy gets killed, seemingly by Roland, Roland writes an equation on the whiteboard, and when Mulder and Scully are there the next day investigating, Mulder's like, well, whose handwriting is this? Because it doesn't match anyone else's. And then they um, check the sheet, and they're like, well, this guy is the only guy that was here with him last night. Um, and the rest of the guys are just kind of like, nah, it wasn't him. Um, which I get why they don't think it was him, I guess. But he's like the literal only other person you would think that they would have also like raised some alarm. But I guess they just really don't see him as capable, which is ableism. Yeah, and at one point, somebody, and I think it's before they start investigating the handwriting, they're wondering if this is, like, um, some kind of, like, covert sabotage, like espionage. And I was kind of like, is it going to be, and I didn't really think it would be this because it's not a very X-Files-y thing, but is it going to be that this guy is pretending to be disabled and he's Mm -hmm. not? And it seems like if they really were considering the option that maybe it was sabotage that that could at least be something that they might consider yeah yeah i would definitely agree i mean i thought watching it i was like oh this motherfucker is just really smart and nobody thinks he is and he can get away with a lot of shit but that was not quite the case (laughs) yeah i I have to note something that you kind of blew over here, which probably because you didn't notice because you didn't notice her in a previous episode where we talked about her. But this handwriting expert in this episode was not the horny handwriting expert that I loved from a few episodes ago, uh, who was super into Mulder. This was a different handwriting expert who was not witty or interesting or horny. And I was very sad about that. I mean, I guess you could say I noticed that she wasn't horny. Um, (laughs) 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 Yeah, I didn't make much note of her and therefore assumed she probably was not the same um, woman. But frankly, I apologize and I wish that they had brought back your favorite character. Me too. We all know that I want a spinoff of this handwriting expert uh, from a few episodes ago, but they don't even bring her back later in the season. So it's really like, what do you do in X-Files? They're like, we got a new one. So at some point in this episode, Mulder and Scully go to where Roland lives to talk to him. And Roland, I think at, at this point, doesn't really want to talk to them, but um, 
he's waking up, it's the morning, and Mulder helps dress him. He picks out a shirt for Roland, which is a very loud print. It would be a very bold choice. It's a very interesting pick of, of Mulder, but not surprising. And I would say Roland has better fashion sense than Mulder because he's like, no, I don't want that. Give me the plain green shirt. And I would say he probably made the right choice. Yeah, no, I would agree. I found it interesting. I was like, do you think Mulder, like, you know, secretly wants to dress like this? Like, he just, like, has something he needs to express but, like, feels like he can't. And he's like, I'm going to, you know, see if this guy will do it for me. (laughs) I 100% think that because I think that the shirt that he picks, which is like kind of like a, a bold pattern, is very similar to some of the ties that he's worn very mm. often. I don't know that I've ever mentioned it yeah. in the podcast or not. Very often he wears very bold pattern ties that just I don't I don't know what he's doing with them. Yeah, it's like, you know, he gets this one little pop of color and personality, and he just really goes for it. Like, he knows that the rest of his uniform look needs to be, you know, pretty buttoned up and boring, rather. And he's like, but I'm going to slip in something a little crazy. (laughs) Yeah, trying to be a little bit zany. And it's like, We already know from your personality, Mulder, that you're a little bit out there. Yeah. I would love if he would just, like, wear ties that had, like, little UFOs and shit on them and just, like, really leaned in. I bet he wears those kind of socks. Oh, yeah. Oh, he's got little alien socks for sure. Yeah, we never see his feet, but I bet if we did, they would be patterned socks like that. (laughs) God, that's so cute. What a cute thought. I feel like I'm not sure how to go about explaining what happens here. And I almost just want to, like, jump to the the thing, the twist. But I don't know if that's the right move. Yeah, I mean, I think we could start talking about what the actual twist is. Because I, I think about... 20 minutes into this episode, maybe even slightly before, I was like, oh, this is going to be a twin thing. And I was very proud of myself for That's thinking very that. very impressive. But it's not, because literally a minute later, Scully is like, oh, they were born on the same day. They're twins. And I was like, okay, well, <laughs> I figured it out basically at the same time. The Just show was in time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'll give it to you. I'm still impressed. Um, Yeah, it's a twin thing. It's a classic twin thing. Um, And his twin is basically controlling his mind. His twin is named Arthur, I guess I should say, who was a scientist at this facility um, who died, like, what, six months prior or something like that? Um, and I don't want to say he's not dead, because I think he's dead, but his head is being kept, um, in a chamber. It's frozen, much like Walt Disney. Um, and I was wondering, Alana, would you freeze your head after you die? Great question. Um, you know, 
I guess I don't know. I feel like I want to say no, because I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that means for if there is an afterlife, am I mm. not able, I would assume that I'm not able to be in it, that it would be kind of like I'm in a coma for like hundreds of years or however long it takes for them to like upload my brain into a cyborg body or something. And I guess that doesn't seem terrible because it's like, I, I won't know how much time is passing. So it doesn't really matter, but it is kind of like, what if we never have that uh, capability and they've just like frozen me for so long when I could have just been dead that whole time. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you think that your consciousness will be uploaded into a cyborg body. Um, I don't know that I disagree, but just in contrast, the thing in the show is like, you know, by the time they're able to revive these heads, they think they'll be able to clone bodies for them to have, um, which is similar but different to a consciousness being uploaded into a cyborg and I don't know which one is, it seems like cloning bodies to reattach these previously frozen heads to is like way harder. I also don't understand the mechanics of how that would work. Like, how do you reattach a head? I, I, I don't know if I get it. Well, you see, by the time that they're able to do it, they will have figured out. Like, that was this guy's answer. He was, like, basically, like, we don't know why we're doing this. We just assume <laughs> someone in the future will have figured it out, and they'll know what to do with all these fucking heads we froze. Like, yeah. Why don't they freeze the body? Why don't they freeze the whole human? Well, specifically in this case, which I also found to be wild, it's because... Arthur was in a car accident and the rest of okay. his body was so fucked up that they couldn't, so they could only save the head. But I don't understand in what scenario, like, the body is just completely demolished, but the head is fine. <laughs> yep, maybe he was decapitated and then the body was rolled over a bunch of times in the car, mm. but the head just rolled off to the side. Well, okay, I don't know. I don't think that's what happened. That's the only way I can no, imagine. No, I, I think that that's possible, but that brings up another question for me in that, like, mm. they didn't freeze him before he died. So it's not like he's, like, suspended in right. some type of life. He's just, like, frozen and on pause. He's dead, but his head he's is dead. frozen. And they're saying that unfreezing the head eventually means that he can be brought back to life? I don't understand the science of freezing heads at all. Um, at all. I really don't know what the goal is. Um, you know, I know we all say that Walt Disney did it, but I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> but I repeat it constantly. I think that he did, but I am less sure that just his head is frozen. Oh, you think it's the whole Disney? But also like... <laughs> it's the whole Disney. <laughs> it's the whole Disney. 
It is. They froze Disneyland and they put it in a <laughs> pod. Um, I just think it's so funny to think that, like, I don't know, in a thousand years, one day, like, Walt Disney's going to exist again. And, like, we don't need that. <laughs> no, I don't think that we do need that. And I, we haven't gotten from you if you would cryogenically freeze your head, although I feel like I know the answer. Yeah, um, 100% I would. No one's kidding. Um, I don't think I would. Uh, I don't, I agree with you. I don't really get, I mean, mostly I just don't get the point. But I guess I almost, I think there's a part of me that after this conversation wants to say I would, just so I can know what fucking happens when they figure out how to get my head back alive and unfrozen. I want to know, am I going to be in a cyborg? Am I going to be attached to some cloned body? Like, what happens? And what is life like at that point? And who was the genius that figured out one of these things? Um, So it might be worth it to find out. Yeah, that you took a turn there. You surprised me because you've said several times on this podcast that you definitely don't want to live forever or even close to forever. I don't, but I don't think that I I wouldn't be alive. But I'd like to find out. Like, I mean, I'd come back to life and then I'd immediately kill myself, I assume. <laughs> but I'd like to know. I'd be like, no, thank you. That's that's good. I just wanted to know like what this looked like. But I'm I'm okay. I. I paid my dues, so I'm going to go. Um, I guess unless I became a cyborg, then I'd be fucked because I don't think you can kill that. Yeah. Maybe you could, but, like, you'd need to create a virus to, like, take down your own system. And I, I'm not a computer scientist. Um, so I guess it's a, it's, it's a risk, you know? If it's a cloned body, I could probably kill it. If it's a cyborg, I'd be fucked to live for eternity in, I don't know, 3,025 or some shit. I think I'm just thinking now about how horrifying it would be to wake up (laughs) as a clone body with your head (laughs) reattached. I just feel like that's a very Frankenstein scenario. Yeah, I think I think you're right, but I'm like, you know, this is a, like a thousand years down the road, I assume, and I bet there's some like smooth ass process. Like we don't do stitches anymore. Like I don't know what's happened, but everything is gonna be like completely seamless, quite literally. Um, I don't know. We're all three D printed or, or something. <laughs> I actually feel like what would happen would be, like, I don't know if you watched the Power Rangers when you were a kid, but there was that, oh, fuck, I forget his name, which is embarrassing. I feel like it was, like, Zod or something, where he, it was just a head in, like, this big cylinder tube, Mm. and I feel like when they actually, like, reanimate, uh, cryogenically frozen heads that it's just gonna be like you're gonna be like a head in a fishbowl and that's gonna be what it is yeah i think you might be right i could easily see that being the case it also just seems like such a fucked up thing 
Because it's like, supposedly, you'd be the same person and have the same thoughts and memories because they're supposedly bringing you back to life and that's why, like, important people like Disney want to be frozen because they think that they're so great and that their ideas should be able to exist again or some bullshit. I don't know. But wouldn't that just be a miserable existence for you, like, thousands of or hundreds of years later where just, like, nobody you know is also frozen and coming back to life and you're just, like, existing here in this time that, like, you don't know what happened in the world. You don't know, like, what technologies exist and you're just forced into it. You're just, like, reborn, but, like, you're already an adult. Yeah, that's true. That sounds miserable. I changed my answer. I Well, I do want to know, though. So I'd say, like, 10% of me wants to know. 90% of me says, fuck that, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> well, but in this episode, it seems as though Arthur, whose head is frozen is still alive. Like, his consciousness is still existing somehow. I guess. I don't know how, and I don't know why. But I I agree with your analysis. Yeah. He's somewhere, they, he's somewhere in between, right? Like... Yeah, and he somehow has the ability to psychically contact and control Roland. Yeah. Which, it's just fucked up. Like, he and Roland were, like, separated as children. We see this in, like, a dream sequence. And then he hires him and, like, specifically seeks out like, disabled people to work at this facility because he's looking for his brother because like I, I don't know it's I think it's <laughs> fucked seems like he wanted to really take advantage of him and that's just not cool Arthur it seems to me like what I was able to understand from this episode is that Arthur finds Roland after many years of being separated. And I don't think that Roland knew that it was his brother and nobody else knew that they were related because Arthur had a really insane Photoshopped beard in the picture that we see (laughs) of him. And so we're supposed to believe that nobody could tell they were identical twins because (laughs) Arthur had a beard. But yeah, he, he seeks out Roland and hires Roland. And I guess I don't understand why, unless Arthur knew that he was going to die and would be able to control Roland telepathically. Yeah, maybe he was planning to use him anyway and then happened to die and just, like, lucked out that he could control him telepathically. Because it seems like he was planning to, you know, I guess, sabotage and murder his co-workers uh, regardless. And then he happened to die. 
Was he planning on murdering them? I don't know, but why did he do it once he was dead? Like, wouldn't you think that he had, like, come up with some scheme? Well, what I thought happened was that Arthur had solved some kind of problem while he was alive, solved some kind of equation that would like change jet propulsion in a big Mm -hmm. way. And when he died, the scientists who were left behind were going to take credit for that. And he just couldn't stand that. So he Mm. used Roland to kill these guys because of his ego, because he, he couldn't, he couldn't live and I say live when he's like dead so like why do you care but he just couldn't stand (laughs) the fact that he personally was not going to get credit for this thing that he solved and like how did he know that he was gonna get credit like he's dead but he's not dead but like is he seeing it through Roland I guess I there's some questionable science at at hand here um i guess it's this is i i I also want to say before we get too far away from it that i just (laughs) saw a note that i wrote related to his head being frozen where Mm. i just wrote show me the head because i really wanted (laughs) them to show us arthur's frozen head and they did not yeah frankly i wish that they did uh i'm completely with you Show me the head. Show us. Also, just quickly, that lab they were in just had, like, a ton of frozen heads, no? Like, that... Yes, yeah. What are, what are they going to do with all of them? Yeah, I don't know, but show me the head. Yeah. No such luck. But anyway... Back to not understanding what <laughs> Arthur is doing. Back to the other thing we don't understand. <laughs> it, it really, like, when they kind of reveal what's happening and they have the confrontation between Arthur and Roland's body and, and this last scientist that's left alive, and we find out that it's all because he wants credit for this thing that he solved, it just made me again, be like, all of these scientists are dicks, and I'm not on any of their sides. Yeah. They are. They, they are. I'm, I'm still <laughs> upset about it. I'm mad for the reputation of scientists. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it, it's not surprising to me that scientists might be kind of egocentric. I mean, I I guess you're right. I don't know. I guess... <laughs> I'm like, the only scientist I know is Bill Nye. And I think he's a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It also seems like, and, and I don't know if I understand this, it seems like Roland gets premonitions of him killing people before he kills people but it's like i mean i assume that's arthur putting the images in his head 
But why does it happen sometimes so far in advance of when he actually kills the people? Yeah, it's like a mess. It's I I don't know if it's the fact that Arthur you know is dead alive and can't control it very much but I mean I think you're right it is like premonitions and sometimes it's in dreams and sometimes it's when he's awake and I don't I don't even understand I still don't understand how it's happening but some twin connection apparently even when they're frozen can I don't know throw these images into their mind and then just like Roland knows that he has to do it or like like why does he then do it like is he fully being controlled like is Arthur's subconscious like taking over maybe maybe not yeah, I guess that is what kind of happens because when the one scientist turns down the temperature on Arthur's mm -hmm. cryogenically frozen head, it seems like he's able to take more control of Roland and almost have a conversation in Roland's body as Yeah. Arthur. And that w one guy was like fucking fine with it. Yeah, he immediately was like, okay, this is what's happening. <laughs> I was like, this guy is so chill, he should work on the X-Files. <laughs> I will also say that I, I took note of the fact that it seems like Scully is maybe becoming more, I guess, adjusted to Mulder's insane ideas, or at least not fighting them as much, because when he posits this idea that this cryogenically frozen head is taking over his twin. Scully's like, if you tell anybody that, they'll think you're insane. But then she's like, he, he Mulder is like, well, we have to go tell people anyway. And she's like, all right, let's go. Like, she really put up no fight. Yeah, she's like, I just don't have the time or the energy for this. Like, okay. And even if, even if she did fight him, she's just like so aware at this point that like, he is going to do it. Even if she says no and refuses to participate, like, he will do whatever the fuck he wants. Yeah. So you might as well jump ship, I guess. Just go down with him. One moment of this episode that I really liked, it's, like, super insignificant, but when Mulder's talking to Roland and he is trying to kind of understand but also explain to Roland that his brother is, or that, like, someone is, like, in control of his brain and that's why these things are happening he like spots a like toy spaceship on the shelf and is like ah yes this is what i will use as my example and i'm like he just wanted to play with that little ufo toy he did he did and he's like roland do you know how to work this and roland's like yeah give me it like roland's yeah. like of course i know how to work this you idiot <laughs> in that scene Mulder also tells Roland a dream that he had about his dad. And I, it was honestly pretty indecipherable to me. I didn't understand how it related really, but it, it is the first time that Mulder has mentioned his dad, I think, and made it seem like his dad might be dead, which I kind of already assumed, but I, I don't know for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I won't. I won't. I won't answer. Um, but I do agree with you. It was a very cryptic dream that didn't really seem to relate, other than, I guess sometimes dreams are deceiving. I like. I don't really know or upsetting. He was like, I have bad dreams too, basically. Like. Um, but it's not quite the same because, like, you're not murdering people <laughs> because of them. That we know of. Yeah, that's true. Um, but y- you'll find out more about Mulder's family in, um, the next season. Well... We already know that I think that he has daddy issues. And I feel mm-hmm. like this dream, again, points to that. Because it wasn't a positive dream about his father. No, it definitely wasn't. But it was like he thought he needed to save him, right? Yeah, it was like he needed to save him. He was underwater. And then he came up from out of water. And his dad wasn't his dad anymore. Or something crazy like that. Yikes. I hope that he's in therapy and like not regression hypnosis therapy, but maybe just regular talk therapy would be nice for him. It would be, but he's definitely not in it. No. (laughs) He was like, he's like, I will be hypnotized and nothing else. We also learn, well, maybe we have learned this before, but I didn't remember it, but Scully says that she has two brothers, which... I guess is interesting. I, I just, like, don't remember them from the episode where her dad dies. No, they're not there in that episode. And that comment that she makes is not consistent with what I know about Scully's family. Huh. So there's definitely some questionable, like, they hadn't quite nailed down who they wanted to have as the family for either character at this point, it seems like. Because, um, yeah, you would think that if she had any siblings, they'd be at her father's funeral. Um, But at that point, they were like, we're not going to think that far ahead. Like, we've got mom, we've got dad, we've got Scully. And now they're like, maybe we'll throw in two brothers. And later, it's like, not. It's different again. (laughs) Yeah, classic TV show problem. You can't commit to everything you talk about in the first season, apparently. You really can't. You just... You just can't, especially when it's, like, characters that aren't part of the show, really, like. The only other aspect of this show that I noted that we haven't talked about yet is that Roland has um, kind of, like, a love connection with one of the women that he is living in this house with. And I did note at one point in this episode that she is also doing an affectation to her voice, which at times to me sounded Irish. Like she wasn't quite Mm. sure what to do with her voice. And sometimes it kind of sounded like an accent and sometimes it didn't. I think (laughs) I kind of wish she would have just been Irish (laughs) and like nothing else. (laughs) I really thought she was at, at one point. Yeah, I mean, maybe. it's We don't really know uh, anything about her. I think I would have... I would have enjoyed, you know, exploring their love story, but that's okay. We did get some nice moments 
With her is like the only time we see Roland fighting against the mind control. I think his brother tells him to kill her, tries to get him to kill her, and he runs away and, and locks himself in the bathroom because he doesn't want to hurt her, which is nice of him. Yeah, he definitely does. And, and you know, they express their love for each other at the end, um, which is pretty sad, honestly. But beautiful. It was, it was kind of sad, but I guess I have hope that after his, like, trial or whatever, he gets sent back to this house he was already living in. Because that's what Mulder and Scully say that they are recommending to the judge. Yeah. Yeah, I hope so, too. Though I, I think it was the point, but, like, I guess what I kind of got from the ending when, you know, they're taking him out of this, you know, care house that he's in, and he, like, stops to comb his hair in the mirror and, like, brushes it in a way that, like, I think is supposed to be how his brother wore it. And I assume they were, like, trying to hint that maybe he's not fully out of his control. Maybe, maybe not. But it was definitely, like, this weird moment where, like, we watched him brush his hair, like, very purposefully. Yeah, that makes sense for that to be what it meant, but it was very unclear because it's just, like, he just stares in the mirror and brushes his hair and then it cuts to Scully watching him. And it's like, why is this the last thing we're ending this episode on? Yeah. Yeah. That's why I figured like, okay, maybe it's the a hint that he's not actually free of his brother's fucking mind control bullshit. Um, Can't they just unfreeze his brother's head? Like, why don't they? Yeah, do let's that? kill him again. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. Maybe they just don't have that jurisdiction. Uh, I don't think you can just unfreeze or. I mean, they dig up people a fair amount, but they put well, them back. Maybe not legally, but the one scientist already started <laughs> to thaw him out. So just yeah. like break in and do that again. Just make the temperature colder because throughout the episode, it was supposed to be at like negative 320 or whatever. And it kept dropping down to 319. And they were like, oh, we don't know why it's doing that. It's weird. And it seems like that related to him being able to control Roland. So why not just like freeze him more? Yeah, maybe that would work. Yeah, I wasn't sure. They kind of hinted that like, or Mulder tried to speculate that, maybe the temperature was fluctuating because of his brain function. Like he was able, like his brain function was like causing the um, like tank thing itself to like fluctuating temperature because he had like um, electric activity going on in his brain, but they didn't really clear up whether or not, that was the case and if it would be helpful for them to just be like oh we're gonna freeze this one a little bit extra because something weird is happening and again i'm just gonna have to say if this man is decapitated how does he have brain function uh you know it's a twin thing so 
wages will never know. Yeah, it's a twin thing. This is a uh, this is a grown up version of the Parent Trap, is what this is. This is a very dark grown up version of the Parent Trap. Yeah, they both came out in 1994. Yes, and which is what we know about the Parent Trap for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you feel about the fact that um, next time we do this? will be done with season one. Yeah, that's, um, it's a big feeling. It's like, where do we go from here? What do we do from here? Hmm. Season two. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I feel fine then. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to do season two is, is what's going to happen. Nice. Um, were you unaware that we committed to 11 seasons? (laughs) (laughs) I guess, well, no, I, I wasn't unaware. Um, but it is interesting, again, to, to me, to have the finale coming up. And I really don't know what it's going to be about. Well, I can tell you the Hulu description if you'd like to hear it. Yes, please do. So episode 24 is called Erlenmeyer Flask. And uh, the Hulu synopsis is Deep Throat Tips... Deep Throat, see, okay, there's his name, first and foremost. I didn't make this shit up. Deep Throat tips Mulder to a critically important case involving a missing fugitive and the cloning of extraterrestrial viruses. Hmm. You're going to want to buckle up, and you're going to want to take some notes, um, and you're going to want to save them for the future. Okay, okay. Hearing that, I do wonder, although I can very easily see it not being the case, but I wonder if the missing fugitive is somebody that we've seen before, like how they brought tombs back, or if the extraterrestrial virus is something that we've seen before, like in the episode Ice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I can't wait. For you to find out. And aliens, if you happen to be listening, please come get us. We're scared. Woo!